This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 131. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thank you for tuning in today. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending, cocktails, and spirits. So, a lot's going on in the show this week. First, I want to tell you about an event I went to this week. It was uh, on Monday, Columbus Day. It was uh, the ACR event, which stands for Authentic Caribbean Rum. And we had a great presentation, great tasting, and a great lunch, too. It was at Lighthouse, which is a great bar and restaurant in uh, in Brooklyn. Great spot. So the ACR is a distillers association, and a bunch of distillers from the Caribbean islands, or well, the Caribbean region, which includes the Caribbean islands plus Belize and South in Central America, and then a couple other countries in South America. Uh, they got together and decided they wanted to have a uh, they wanted to set up some standards and have a stamp of quality and integrity. And uh, of course, they promote their rums and and rum education too, uh, which was part of this event. So uh, Jason Cousins was the presenter, and it was a great presentation. It was a four-hour event, but it uh, went very fast. It went very quickly. Uh, you know, at first, it was like four hours. Wow, that sounds long. But uh, it, w- it was a lot of fun and uh, hung out with some great bartenders and uh, tasted a lot of great rums and, and learned a lot about rum and, and distilling, too. I got a chance to do a little interview with Jason after the event, so I'll have that for you on today's show. Also on the show today, we're going to talk to bartender and listener of the show and now friend of the show, Walter Rubinson, and he's a uh, bartender down in Washington, D.C., and uh, we had a great conversation about bartending and cocktails drinking and spirits so uh that'll be on the show today too so yeah lots going on on the show today we'll have our book of the week coming up our cocktail of the week of course we do our toast at the very end of the podcast every week so that's coming up too uh before we get to that stuff there's something i want to tell you if you're in the san diego or minneapolis areas uh bar smarts advanced is coming to your town to your area so uh you should definitely think about doing this um bar smarts if you don't know if you haven't heard me talk about it before you can go online and uh you take their you sign up for their online course and uh once you get through that you have to pass an uh, online test and then uh after that you're eligible for the bar smarts advanced it's a full day of instruction education hands-on mixology testing and certification that takes place in different cities in select cities each year and uh it's hosted by pinot ricard usa and bar llc and uh these are challenging fun and interesting days and uh it's definitely worth doing it's not very expensive if you haven't heard me talk about it before i went through it uh the online course is great but then you get there uh for the for the uh one day uh the advanced bar smarts advanced as they call it and um there's uh some seminars uh some uh presentations there's tastings and then a written test and then you go and uh make three drinks for a judge and your judge might be dale degroff or in my case it was david wonridge or it might be uh paul packle or uh, uh steve olson uh, these these are the guys that founded the uh the, the program and uh it's it's fun exciting and a little nerve-wracking making drinks in front of uh these guys who are kind of uh, heroes in the industry but uh it, definitely worth doing and i highly suggest you do it so the uh you like i said you have to do the online first and uh then you get to do the one day they'll be in san diego on wednesday october 28th 2015 we're talking about and uh they'll be in minneapolis on november 11th 2015 so uh definitely look into that it's barsmarts.com i think let me check yep barsmarts.com Go check that out. Highly recommend it. And uh, if you forget, I'll, I'll put a link up to that on bartenderjourney.net. 
All right, we have to do our book of the week and our cocktail of the week. For the book of the week, it's a brand new book. Just came out as I record this. Uh, this came out this week, and I just got my hands on it, just freshly delivered. And it's the Dead Rabbit Grocery and Grog Drinks Manual. So uh, Dead Rabbit, as you may know, won World's Best Bar at Tales of the Cocktail this year at the Spirited Awards. And that's just about the uh, biggest category, <laughs> the biggest prize you can win. And uh, well, well, well deserved. It's a great place. And uh, this is a great book. And uh, so, the, so it's uh, the Dead Rabbit Grocery and Grog Drinks Manual, the secret recipes and barroom tales from two Belfast boys who would conquer the cocktail world. Sean Meldoon and Jack McGarry are the uh, authors and proprietors of Dead Rabbit, and uh, they had some help from uh, Ben Schraffer with the book. So uh, it's a great book, beautiful book, and uh, one you definitely want to add to your collection. It uh, you know it goes right along there with your PDT book and your Death and Co book, and uh, you need this book. Their recipes are you know complicated, and uh, they're all every one of them is an original recipe. But it's great reading, great to look at, and uh, really makes you think about uh, what you're putting in your drink. So head on over to bartenderjourney.net and look for the Amazon links that uh, will direct you over to uh, to Amazon and <laughs> towards this, towards this book. And uh, by clicking on any of those links on bartenderjourney.net that direct you over to Amazon, you'll be helping out the show a little bit. Doesn't cost you any extra. And uh, whether you buy that book or something different, uh, after clicking through the um, the Amazon link on bartenderjourney.net, you'll be helping out. You can also find our tip cup page on bartenderjourney.net, and you can help out help support this show. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, any, anything you'd like to give uh, would be more than welcome. And uh, just to keep the show going to uh, pay some of the bills around here. And uh, you can also help out the show by uh, subscribing on iTunes. You've probably done that already, hopefully. So you get the show as soon as it becomes available. And uh, also by going over to iTunes and uh, leaving some ratings and reviews, I'd appreciate it. Uh, you can give as many stars as you like. Five is the most you can give. Five is the most. So uh, give some stars and write, you know, just one sentence if uh, if you like the show. All right, one of three simple things you can do to help out the Bartender Journey podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Next cocktail of the week. Well, it's fall around here. The leaves are turning colors, and uh, apple picking is uh, it's the season for apple picking. So uh, here's a cocktail for you. It's called Orchard Flowers, and uh, it's made with uh, hard apple cider. Um, we do a uh, three-quarters of an ounce of gin, three-quarters of an ounce of elderflower liqueur, you know, St. Germain, along those lines. Uh, a splash of freshly squeezed lime juice, so let's say uh, about a quarter ounce there. And uh, shake that up in your tin and uh, with ice, of course. And uh, then add five ounces of hard apple cider. Strain that into your prepared chilled cocktail glass without ice, so into a uh, martini-type glass, and uh, serve it up. And it's uh, delicious. Garnish with a lime will be easy, or uh, if you want to get fancy, uh, make something nice with a uh, slice of apple. It's a nice cocktail for the fall. Orchard flowers. All right, we're going to talk to Jason Cousins in just a minute uh, from the ACR rum event. Um, But first, I want to share with you a few of my uh, sort of kind of takeaways from that rum seminar I went to uh, this week. Rum is made in many different countries uh, all over the world, uh, but even within this one particular region, the Caribbean, there's a large spectrum of, of cultures and even different languages. And uh, as a result of that, the, the rums are quite diverse, which is which is a nice thing. Of course, there's many things that will uh, affect the final product, how it tastes uh, in the end, but uh, there's four main things that really will affect the final outcome. Rum can be distilled from either sugar cane juice or molasses. 
Uh, that's number one. Number two, is it distilled in a pot still or a column still? Number three, is the aging or the, uh, the influence the wood barrels has on, on the spirit? And then the final thing is the, uh, the blending process, which is uh, an art in itself. Interestingly, where the sugar cane is grown doesn't seem to have much influence, so there's not a big difference in taste in uh, the actual sugar, um, whether it's grown you know, in, the, in the Caribbean or, uh, or uh, South America or wherever. Um, you know, obviously, sugar cane does grow in hot regions, but um, it, it is grown all over the world. And I think Jason said in this seminar, it's the third largest crop in the world. Uh, but anyway, in uh, very general terms, uh, rums made from sugarcane juice will be a little lighter or more delicate, and uh, molasses-based rums will be richer and, uh, to my taste, tastier. <laughs> I find that my favorite rums are usually made from molasses and distilled in a pot still. All right, so let's hear uh, directly from Jason. All right, I'm here with Jason Cousins. This was a great presentation all about rum, Caribbean rum, and uh, thank you so much. It was a great presentation. Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. We tasted some beautiful rums today. What, what can you tell us more about? Um, what, well, the, the theme running through this was was all about classification, and, you know, how to identify rums. And so tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we're talking about the uh, the authenticity and provenance and uh, you know origin of rums and what we see as being uh, the birthplace of rums, being the Caribbean. So in order to do that, we've established a context by doing a category-wide training talking about the history of rum, starting with sugarcane and its production in New Guinea, uh, in Indonesia, and its basic uh, travel through through the world from 10,000 years ago to, to modern times, and then showing how rum in the Caribbean exists within that context, uh, how Carib- the Caribbean is really the birthplace of rum, and how it should be seen as such, and how that then ties into the culture of the people that, uh, that live there, um, and uh, you know, the authenticity of, of, of the rums they're producing. I found it so interesting. I mean, I already knew that some rums are made with uh, molasses and some are made with sugarcane juice. But I tend, personally, I tend to favor the ones made with molasses. And that's actually the original the original rum is, is made with molasses, right? The, uh, but uh, let's first talk about the, uh, the history and then talk about the flavor profile, you know. I, I find it so much more rich and interesting the, the, the rums made with molasses. First of all, the, the, the history. Well, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a common misconception that sugarcane rums are the original rum. Uh, you, said it, you said it right. It, uh, the original rums, or traditional rum, comes from molasses. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's, it, it's distilled from what was a, a refining or an industrial co-product. Or, well, as we say co-product, originally it was a byproduct. The leftovers from making sugar. Exactly. The leftovers <laughs> from, from making sugar. But, uh, yeah, taste preference, flavor profile, it's completely subjective. Some people, and myself included, really like a rich, flavor, like flavorful, intense, powerful rum. Uh, and that's what a molasses-based rum will, will produce for you. Um, then there's others that like more elegant, peppery, you know, herbaceous, uh, almost grassy-style sugarcane rum, which tend to be lighter in flavor profile. Well, I guess it depends, too. I mean, drinking it neat, you know, it's so interesting to taste a funky, flavorful, rich rum, you know. But if you're going to make a cocktail, maybe you need something different. Yeah, and tasting neat is always the uh, the best way to truly evaluate a spirit. But each spirit, you know, based on its you know, and its components and, you know, how long it's been in wood, uh, what it's made out of, it, excuse me, each rum, uh, molasses or cane, yes, ties into its application. So for me, 
sugarcane uh, rums or lighter style rums that have seen less time in wood, uh, shine and a daiquiri. They make great pairings for our citrus forward drinks. Um, that, you know, the you know, converse side, other side of that would be your, your deeper, richer, you know, darker, funkier molasses-based rums or have seen more time in wood, more age, make a great old-fashioned or a great Manhattan-style cocktail or a spirit-forward stirred drink. Well, one of my favorite things to do is just, for instance, taste a cocktail made uh, with one varying one different ingredient, you know, and uh, or tasting rums that are, you know, or spirits that are similar but, but have one different. But it was so interesting to taste that one uh, distilled spirit that was made with the column still and one with the pot still. I found that really fascinating that you presented today. Oh, the the, yes, yes, yes. We, yeah, we tasted... Um, Spirit right off the still, right off the pot still, right off a column still. Yeah. Being, taste, being able to taste the, uh, the actual influence of the still without the influence of the barrel. Yeah, that yeah. was really fascinating. And, and it was a huge difference, you know. It was, and the, the column still, or, or excuse me, the pot still tasted much better in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you know, I've always wondered if, the, if, does that, you know, the pot still, is that all marketing or is there really a difference? And I think you proved to me today that there is a difference. Yeah, when you break it down to the, the raw elements of it, just right off the still, absolutely, a, a pot still get, has much more character to it. Definitely. Uh, richer in, in flavor. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to say one is better than the other. It's, they're both different palettes or tools in your distiller or your blender's uh, toolkit, if you will, in producing rum. Right. And while blending's a huge thing with making rum, as it is in cognac, and um, can you talk to that? Yeah, as, uh, as we mentioned, that there are many, many that would argue that the master blender is the true architect of a good rum. Uh, he's the person or she's the person that takes all these elements, uh, you know, the fermentation, the distillation, the time and uh, the time in wood and the, and the type of wood and the level of char of the wood, the size of the barrels, all these elements, and really kind of weaves it together. And, and a, a good blender will, will create a rum or a blend that no one element shines over the other. I mean, I like to compare a good spirit or a good blend to a good piece of music, where you know every all these instruments exist in harmony, and no one is drowning out. You know, one no one instrument is drowning out another. Yeah. Why is it that blending I, with rum you'll never see a rum that's unblended or single barrel? Like you know, you might see with a bourbon or something. You might see a single barrel bourbon, but. Is it to create consistency over the years, or? Well, with blending, you can create a more consistent product. Uh, but you know, in our discussions today, I think this all ties back into the culture of the region. We mentioned about we mentioned Scotland and cognac and champagne. These are regions that produce you know single distillates, a single malt Scotch, or a you know a, well, we did mention about the blending in, in cognac and, and whatnot. But to me, the the culture of the Caribbean is a diverse culture. And the spirit itself is diverse. It's a it's a blend of many different rums, uh, many different uh, many different barrels, different flavor profiles. And I think that all kind of ties in and reflects the culture of the region. Yeah, I liked how you talked about how there, there's such diversity within Caribbean, and 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 it really reflects. And there's and, and there's so many there are so many different styles of rum, and there's there's something for everybody, and it's kind of underrated, you know, because uh, you know, and. It, there needs to be a premium uh, designation, like you were saying, you know, which we don't have right now, right? And that's uh, one of the takeaways from this is that ACR, this authentic Caribbean rum, a seal on the back of a bottle represents a premium rum. This is a top shelf rum where the producers obviously care about the, uh, the production methods, uh, where they're sourcing the materials, 
whether or not that rum is being produced within within the country and supporting the local economy, uh, and also that the uh, rum is being truth, uh, produced truthfully, that the age statement on the bottle reflects the youngest age, uh, the youngest blend in the, in the rum. Well, it is kind of the Wild West only because, you know, with bourbon, it's all made in, in the United States, and there are regulatory, there's, there's lots of regulations and things like this, but rum can be made anywhere, and uh, that's kind of a, a, pro, or a problem or a challenge, I guess. Absolutely. I, I, there was um, a part in uh, Wayne Curtis's book, uh, In a Bottle of Rum, where he makes a point about how interesting it is that bourbon is considered the spirit of America when it's the most highly regulated spirit in the industry. And, yeah. and, and we're famously a country that, that is no fan of government regulation. But, for instance, we're, you know, we're, we're huge fans of bourbon. Rum, on the other hand, largely unregulated. But I do think that that's going to change. Well, part of what we're doing is making sure that some elements are regulated. There'll always be a little bit of that Wild West kind of pirate beverage uh, lawlessness to rum. And that's part of its character. Sure, it's part of its heritage. But that being said, as rum does come more into the spotlight, which I believe it is, uh, there needs to be a little bit more attention to quality and, and, and law and rules, regulations. And rum is also um, a great bargain right now. I mean, the stuff that we've tasted here, I, I think rum as a category is a, is a great bargain at the moment, don't you? Absolutely. I say that rum is the best value in spirits. You can pay $50 for a gorgeous XO rum and spend, spend easily three times that on an XO cognac. Or scotch. Forget about it. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much for the seminar. If people want to find out more, where, where can they go online to find out more? There's tons of, uh, of, val- of valuable resources on the website. It's www.acr-rum.com. Thank you, Jason. Pleasure. Great conversation there. And again, for more information, go to acr-rum.com. And uh, you might even find out how to sign up for one of those seminars. I think they're done for this year, uh, but maybe next year. But uh, go, to, go to the website and, and uh, find out for yourself there. Or, uh, again, I'll have a link on bartenderjourney.net uh, along with the show notes for the show, number 131. And uh, with all this info for you guys. If you're having any trouble at all finding the show notes for this show, uh, go up to the upper right-hand side at bartenderjourney.net, and uh, there's a little Google search bar there, and type in 131, and uh, that'll bring you right to the show notes for this particular episode. All right, next we're going to talk to bartender and uh, listener of the show, Walter Rubinson. And uh, don't forget to stay tuned to the very end of the podcast for our toast. Here's my talk with Walter. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thanks. Glad we were able to work this out. Yeah. And you, uh, and you dressed up for the occasion. Well, this is sort of what I wear to work, so I thought it would be appropriate to wear for the podcast, get in the mood. Perfect, perfect. So uh, we'll introduce you. This is the this is one of our uh, listeners to the show who uh, called me out on my bad pronunciation, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I can be associated with a, other than, something other than just calling you out. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much for having me. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. I feel... Uh, a little out of my depth. Ah, uh, what do you mean? We're all we're all bartenders here, right? What's the difference? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Take it. I got some of those bitters here, the uh, umami bitters. Am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounded good to me. <laughs> they're uh, they're pretty interesting. These they're they're from uh, Bar Forty, and uh, I'm gonna have these guys on the show soon. But uh, they have they have four different four different bitters: umami, uh, salt, sour, and sweet. So they're kind of cool. Yeah, sounds like they're experimenting with flavors you don't normally see in in bitters or cocktails in general. 
Yeah, yeah. So I uh, actually took some of that. I, I got some rye whiskey, some uh, chinyar. That's another one hard to pronounce. Chinar is very hard to pronounce, yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend was working with an Italian who taught me how to pronounce it. So that's the only reason why I think I, I can do it halfway. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh there's another video uh that uh, there's a bunch of there's a series of those videos on liquor.com that tells you how to pronounce stuff so that's one of them those are great yeah i had never seen that before that one on palernum you posted was hilarious yeah that was good right yeah that was very good well cheers here's to you oh cheers to you i wish i had known i would pour one myself i have a, a bar right here so yeah oh I well have, i have yeah i have some stuff in the studio here behind me if you can see that yeah yeah i'll show you my, <laughs> i'll show you mine so nice yeah got a few things up there very cool so uh what's the um u.s is the craft bartenders uh what's the association you're you're with (laughs) uh so i'm a relatively new member of the dc craft bartenders guild so is that uh a segment of the usbg or is that totally different uh as far as i understand we you know work together but we are separate entities Mm -hmm. uh like I said, I'm relatively new to the organization, so I'm certainly not an expert on all the you know comings and goings. But the way I understand it is, we're totally separate. Okay. So, yeah, the, in DC, the USBG does a little bit more um, work, you know, getting uh, healthcare and being taken care of in those ways. Yeah, that's whereas cool. yeah, well, yeah, obviously, uh, and the but the craft guild is more about making cool drinks and tasting stuff and that sort of thing. So I'm very happy to be a member. I've, like I said, I've only been part of it for a few months now, but it's uh, been very fruitful. So far. Nice, nice. And do, did you have any experience with the USBG? Um, you know, I was part of a competition that the USBG sponsored for Brugal. Okay trying to get a little bit more presence for Brugal extra dry. So, you know, my, my bar participated in that com, uh, competition. We did okay in it, but that's been my only, my only experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been thinking I'd like to uh, maybe get involved with that. Cause it, it seems like a great, great organization. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, the, the craft guild has been really great. Met a lot of really good people. I've been exposed to some tastings that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do um, without them. Got, to do the run at Tales of the Cocktail this year with um, a couple friends from the guild that I wouldn't have known about without yeah. it. So, cool. yeah, it's been it's been great. I mean, yeah, we're all bartenders, yeah. right, like you said. Have you been uh, bartending all your life, or uh... um, it's been an off and on thing for me. Um, I've been taking it more seriously the last two and a half or three mm-hmm. years. I lived overseas for a while and was doing a master's program, so that got in the way for uh, a little bit. And uh, something totally unrelated, I suppose, to hospitality. Uh, yes, yes. International relations in the Middle East. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> yeah. It was it was fun getting to taste all the liquors of Syria and the Middle East. Though, oh. There, so. what, yeah, what do they drink over yeah. there? Um, so, Arak is uh, very popular. So, not uh, just Arak. I actually have some right here. Um, A-R-A-K, generally. It's um, a grape-based spirit that ends up tasting a little bit like uh, absinthe. Mm. It's very strong anise-flavored, and you luge it the same way that you do with absinthe to make it a little more palatable. Okay. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's like late night, very sort of relaxing. You know, it's um, this bottle I have here is 100 proof to give you an idea. So it's a little, right. a little stronger than your standard stuff. Right, right, right. And uh, so did you decide you're going to make the trip out to Portland this this year? 
I did. Yeah, nice. I am going to go. Um, it looks like I will only be there for part of the cocktail week, mm-hmm. but I am going to go. It was, you know, is I actually I went to a meeting of the DC Craft Guild right as we were corresponding about whether um, PDXCW was going to happen, and several people there had very strong yeses. Mm. You know, they they were already in various programs in it. You know, they were definitely going to go. They had already purchased tickets, that sort of thing. So that sort of convinced me that I would want to go. Yeah, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, the uh, Portland Cocktail Week, the, the website was kind of lacking in uh, information up until the very last minute. And, well, it's uh, still lacking, we, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, people got nervous that it was going to go the way of Manhattan Cocktail Classic this year, which would have been a shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very excited to be going for my first time. Being from Portland, I feel like I'm sort of, you know, it's, it's a fault of mine that I haven't gone yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, the website, they could learn a few things from Tales in terms of the website. Yeah. Well, I think that could be said about any uh, cocktail or pretty much any um, conference at all. <laughs> could learn a lot from Tales. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a great experience. I, I feel, you know, that was really a lot of fun and a, a lot of learning. And um, I don't know, not just from the cocktails I got to drink, but from the organizational point of view too, they just really did a great job. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, the, and every event goes off without a hitch. I mean, I never saw anything go wrong ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that was your first tales. What'd you do and, and, and how'd you like it? Well, like I said, I really loved it. Got to do, you know, morning to night <laughs> cocktail, uh, stuff was awesome. Uh, the redemption pool party, I, I really loved. That was the evening of our first day there. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just so eye-opening. I was like, wow, this this is this is going to be a fun time. And you know, all the drinks that were around the pool party were really tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you did you meet uh, Warren Bobrow there? He was dishing out some drinks. Uh, you know, I I am I I I, I didn't write. Did. I wrote down a lot of recipes. I didn't write down a lot of names. So I'm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's an author and uh, brand ambassador, and he, he's been on the show I think three times now. And uh, he's a funny guy. He goes, he he told me the la- we did a show just before Tales. You know, we I called it the Tales Send Off Show or whatever uh, with Warren. And uh, uh-huh. he goes, every every time I do these things, people tell me. Uh, my cocktail is the best at the party, you know? And it was so funny because and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Warren. And then, so I go to see Warren there at the redemption pool party and, uh, he's chatting with a young lady, you know, and I'm just, you know, he sees me and we say hi, but I'm trying not to, you know, intrude on their conversation too much. And she goes, Warren, your, your drink is the best in the whole, <laughs> at the whole event. He goes, see, yeah. <laughs> it was really, I mean, boring. there were a lot of really good drinks at that party. I remember, um, you know, I met a, a guy who was making his own falernum. You know, we, we, you and I have been mm-hmm. talking about falernum. There's a great drink with uh, Nocino in it that I've actually, I am just putting onto my fall menu now, um, a version of it from that party. So, All yeah, right. yeah, it was, it's, well, what's the drink? Um, it's, we're calling it the pool party, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, and so it's Redemption Rye, um, Nocino, a uh, little bit of ginger liqueur and lime juice. So it's, uh, it's sort mm-hmm. of, fall flavors but also kind of playful sounds good yeah and uh did you hit up any uh seminars while you're done uh, yeah i actually got to go to six um nice yeah got to see dale degroff twice um which was definitely a highlight um the jared brown seminar on vermouth was probably my favorite mm. seminar that i went mm-hmm. to yeah so there was the new vermouth book put out by adam adam ford yeah, exactly yeah. so um 
Jared Brown does the Mixellany website, uh, and I think he's ba- oh, okay. based out of London. And uh, mm-hmm. he put out a vermouth book. Well, let's see, a few years ago. I have it here. Um, anyway, uh, I'll track it down. Um, anyway, it was uh, really informative. He went over some recipes, um, you know, how to plant a vermouth garden. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so you mean to, to kind of make your own vermouth, yeah, then, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think that was part of the name of the seminars, like making your own vermouth or, you know, I, oh, man. ideas. I need to do that. that. Yeah. You know, it, it was a really inspiring class because he put it in very like simple terms and ways that, you know, we all understand. And I think that, it wouldn't be too hard if you had the space to grow the proper, the proper plants, um, and any sort of dedication to it. Like, you know, if you're really excited about doing it, it would definitely be doable. All right. So you got the plants and then, uh, what, what's the base you're using wine and, well, and yeah. fortifying that with something, I guess. Yeah. So it's, you know, fortified wine, but, um, the main takeaway from the class was that you could just, uh, macerate the, the plants in the spirit that you would be fortifying the wine with and then add mm. it to the wine so you get a cleaner maceration from the stronger alcohol. Oh cool. Yeah. So it sounded that it made, sounded doable. It sounded doable. I I love a good vermouth. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, well you, you um you have had someone on recently who emphasized the importance of refrigerating vermouths and keeping them at proper temperature. I don't remember which guest it was, but yeah. It really makes a huge difference. Yeah, it really does. And you know what I've been doing now is uh, I don't know if you saw where I uh, I did a little experiment with those those um, stopper bottles oh. for the wine where you pump out the uh, yeah. pump out the air. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's not a, it's like ten or twelve bucks or something for that thing. I've been using that on my, my vermouth too, and keeping it in the fridge, and it and it and it's and it it really holds a lot lot longer. I bet it does. Yeah. Um. You know, going back to the DC Craft Guild, um, we recently did a tasting for a vermouth that's being made here in DC. Um, Capital Oin, I believe the name of it is. And they just happened to have at the tasting a bottle that had been open for three months. Um, so we got to taste, uh, you know, an older, not fresh bottle versus the brand new, just open bottles. It was really interesting. Yeah. So um, what was that experience like? <laughs> well, you know, in certain ways, I kind, I kind of liked the, <laughs> the one that had been left open. It, really? I mean, I, you know, it wouldn't be suitable to serve necessarily, but. Mm. You know, the same way that, it, you know, oxidized, you know, sherries. Well, no, but, you mm. know, like things that are meant to be oxidized. It it mm. had some of those characteristics. It had some extra flavor to it, but it was just so much less bright. It was so much yeah. just duller. Flab, yeah. Flabby, yeah. right? Flabby. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Uh, but uh, I've been just, I got some great, great vermouth from uh, Spain recently. And uh, just that on the rocks with some, um, you know, seltzer out of my, out of my squirt gun, my uh, seltzer gun. Right, right. It's great. Yeah, the ISI. Yeah. The uh, siphon, the siphon, right? Yeah. The siphon. Uh, and, uh, and some lemon, and a twist of lemon. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's really the Italians and Spani- Spaniards, they know what they're doing with that stuff. It, uh, it's perfect day drink. It's perfect way to drink like a grown up you know you just get to hang out exactly. and you're not you're not going to get you know in trouble with how much spirit you're drinking like it's really good yep absolutely so tell us about the uh the place where you're working now well it's called the heights it's right so dc has a lot of um sort of redeveloped neighborhoods and we're right in the center of one called columbia heights mm. and um you know we're a neighborhood bar but trying to bring our cocktail game up the last year or two it's been really 
really interesting to see what's been successful and what hasn't been. Um, you know, we've gone through a lot of changes, but I think our guests are really happy with it. I'm, I'm certainly excited to be doing it. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun working in a place where you know the people that you're making drinks for and that you can have honest conversations with about what they like and what they don't like. It's not super high volume, so mm-hmm. not three deep. So we don't, you know, yeah. we can actually converse. I got to do a vermouth sort of tasting class impromptu for one of my regulars the other day. Just he had never had vermouth and wasn't really sure what I was talking about when I was comparing different ones. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's a Manhattan drinker, and so I was trying to make him something that he would really like. And I got to just pour him uh, some Dulon and some Punta Mes and some Copanoenska and see what he liked and, you know, mix and match and play around. So you see that a lot. Um, and, and I think it's the death and co book and a, a couple of the other books, they, they blend their vermouth that the yeah. house, house vermouth might be half Punta Mes and half, you know, Carbono or whatever. I forget what it was. exactly. The, but uh, the, the death and co house is half and half Punta Mes and Dulon. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And w- which I've had a lot of success with. It's delicious. Definitely. That that's the, if there's one gem I've taken from that book, it's been that detail. It, it's really tasty. Excellent. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I would I, I love doing that kind of thing too. Or like, oh, you like Manhattan's? Well, let's, let's make one with uh, the vermouth you're used to. Yeah. Now we'll make one exactly like it with a different vermouth, and then a third. You know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's the best. It's the greatest thing. You know, it's really, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, how much is it, it's a cocktail? How much difference is these? You know, one spirit going to make? But it often makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, and the way that the the different spirits interact with each other. You know, we we have an aged Manhattan that uses Antica and Dulon. And, you know, Dulon just really blends great. Like it just has this nice flowery note that sits on top of whatever else you blend it with, you know, whether that's Antica or um, Punta Mess or even, you know, a dry or blanc vermouth um, in a perfect Manhattan or Martini or whatever. It, and like you said, it's so much fun to be able to show people what those differences do and what they taste like. Yeah. So your your barrel aged um, Manhattan is that? Uh, so I mean, or you said it was aged. You, you didn't say what, if it was barrel aged. I was just going to say. So we don't use barrels because we've, we you just lose so much in the barrel. Yeah. So yeah. we use glass vats with um, oak staves, um, and we've had a lot of success with that. You know, we, it gives us more control. We can take the staves out if we feel like we've matured it enough. You know, guests can see what's happening in the glass vat, which they always like. Mm. You know, we do a couple of other aging and uh, infusion things, and guests always like to look at those. So the glass vat adds to that. Nice. Yeah, we're we're actually we're gonna. I feel like I'm just stealing straight from Morgenthaler here, but we're gonna be doing an aged presidente too on our uh, our fall menu, and I'm I'm just so excited to be able to, to. I don't know, put something out like that. I don't know. I mean, I know that he does things in barrels. I've you know, read his book. And- was it, wasn't it him that said uh, that he liked to age his Manhattans in uh, steel? Wasn't that Morgan Thaller or somebody else? It certainly might have been. Everything that I've, I've seen on the, on the web and from his book is, has shown him using barrels. But I, I'm, you know, I might be wrong, and he might be doing it differently for Manhattans versus Presidentes. And mm-hmm. I think Boulevardiers are the other drink that he ages. Uh, mm. oh that sounds good yeah i i've i've done that at home i actually i have a batch of that that's just about ready um i, I just i bought a, a barrel for myself a little two-liter guy and mm-hmm. uh, it makes a very nice party i've not actually experimented with that i must admit yeah. with uh barrel aging cocktails but i'd love i'd love to do that you really do lose so much though you know it's a two-liter barrel i, know. I got like 
I, I think I got about a liter and a quarter out of it. You know, it really, yeah, it really sucked it. Oh, I know, <laughs> it it's shocking. I, <laughs> I bought a, I bought a small barrel, uh, smaller than that. I think it was a one seventy five. So I, you know, I bought uh, some corn whiskey from uh, from Hudson Whiskey, oh. and uh, and and the barrel. So it was they called it the barrel, the bourbon making kit, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, that was fun, although I was shocked how little was left in the barrel when I was. Yeah. <laughs> but you feel for the, you know, and this is how they make bourbon, and you know, they yeah. talk about the angel share, and that's you know. That's uh, got to be factored into the cost of making this stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was well. Also, I was just I, I'm in the middle of doing the Bar Smarts um, online training program. Yeah, and uh-huh. uh, you know, going through the cognac module, and they're saying that they, on average, they lose only two percent per barrel. And the presenter was saying that as it was this huge number, and I'm like, Jesus, I would kill for two percent. Two percent. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can spill two percent just trying to get it, uh, you know, out of the spigot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, or you know, for taste tests, right? Like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> gotta, gotta see what's happening in that barrel over the, over time. That Bar Smarts uh, course is great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm re- I'm really enjoying it. I just like I said, I'm about halfway through, and uh, I know a lot more about how the stuff's made now. That's for sure. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to the the last part of it yet, but yeah, it's been well for for what is it twenty nine dollars or thirty nine dollars? It's, it's a bargain and a half. Absolutely, it's super cheap, and you know, it's great. And I'm I'm excited about getting to do the advanced you know, section of it eventually. That that I think I don't know that I'm really looking forward to that as well. It was yeah, I've done it. It's uh, <laughs> Dave Wondridge was my my judge. Oh yeah, how, <laughs> how hard was that? You know they're they're fairly uh, forgiving. It's a little nerve wracking, but uh, yeah. luckily I had luckily I'd met David uh, before that time. You know, so uh, I had met him at Tales and, and a couple other places. You know, he's a super nice guy. I think I would have been a little more intimidated walking into that situation if I had not met him face to face before that moment. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I mean, I, it's for you, not for him, that it makes it. You know, that the situation is hard, right? For him, just right. another drink. <laughs> For you, it's like, oh God, this is the guy. This is the dude who's sort of. But here's a trick: if you go, if you if you do the um, bar smarts uh, one day, um, definitely get there early because there is a you know what happens is you you come in early and there's a little breakfast and then there's the uh, there's the course like you know you have to do the online first it's a prerequisite and then um, but then uh, and there's a little tasting and uh, but then there's the uh, the practical exam you know and so there's about 10 or 12 judges you know David Wondridge and Dale DeGroff and uh, you know um, Paul Packle I think and um, well you know all those guys and uh, but um it seems that they go in the order of who registered first. So I was in the first batch, which was awesome. You know, I was one of the first 12 to take the practical, but there was, I guess there had to be at least 120 people there. So there must've been 10, you know, series of, of practical tests. So, you know, if you had to hang around there for, for that long, uh, doing nothing, it kind of would have been a drag, you know? So I was, I I was grateful that I got there early, got my name on the, and I don't, you know, I don't know for sure that they still do it that way or, but it seemed on the day that I did it, that's the way it went, you know? So I was, I was very glad to, to, uh, to be first, get it done. And then I could get out of there rather than hang around there for hour two hours three hours maybe i don't know <laughs> early bird catches the worm as always right it always pays to be early yep absolutely yeah a, a friend of mine here in dc actually um got his the high score in his group so i'll definitely be hitting him up for recommendations as well but try to get there as early as possible thank you 
That's a good tip. Well, hey, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, I don't want to hold you up. You got you got oh. to work tonight, huh? No, no, I'm not working tonight. Uh, oh, okay. I just got dressed up for you. I, you know. Oh so. well, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm honored. Hey, maybe you could come back uh, after Portland and uh, tell us about it because I've never been, and I'd I'd love to hear more about it. I'd I'd be happy to give you whatever sort of report you'd like, or do interviews for you, or whatever. I'd be I'd be more than more than. Happy. Yeah, cool. If you want to stick your phone in some people's faces and. Uh, record some stuff that'd be awesome all right i'll see what i can do <laughs> very cool well walter it was a pleasure yeah and uh, i look forward to speaking with you again all right sounds good brian thanks for having me on cheers, cheers. Walter's going to Portland Cocktail Week. Uh, Looks like I'm not going, but uh, Walter promises to give us a full report and possibly even some interviews. Okay, our toast is coming up, but first I want to remind you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. The uh, website is bartenderjourney.net. You can feel free to get in touch with me for any reason at all. You can email me at at, uh, brian at bartenderjourney.net. You can find me on Twitter at BarkeepTips, and you can head over to Facebook and like that page. Search for Bartender Journey and like it. Tons of interviews uh, lined up for uh, upcoming shows. Uh, We have Martin, who's a bartender and podcast listener from England. We're going to talk to Misty Colcotton about mezcal. We have Andy Watts, who's making an amazing whiskey in South Africa. That's just a few of the guests coming up uh, on future episodes of Bartender Journey, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes so you get these shows as soon as they come out. All right, time for our toast. Two friends, as long as we are able to lift our glasses from the table. Cheers, we'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. Yeah.